does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. Earlier on the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy. All right, we're going to get to some Chris Ballard sound here in just a second. Reminder, basketball hour coming up at 8 o'clock. Fad Mata at 8.30. We'll talk with Mike DeCourcy, college basketball insider, coming up at the top of the hour. He was, of course, there at the Champions Classic. We'll get his thoughts on that. Some early season hoops. Indiana in action tonight. Purdue going to Maui. Lots to talk about here uh, in the Hoosier State, if you will. I wanted to ask you this. We were talking about it during the checkdown, and I had it on my sheet of, uh, of items to bring up and to ask you guys. Um, you know, Deshaun Watson gets injured and, and obviously Deshaun Watson has been a mess this season. He's been a mess and that contract is a terrible contract. Uh, they got three years to live with that contract with over $200 million of dead money the last, you know, the next three years if they were to move on from him. But KB, I was going to ask you this, you know, if you remember back in the preseason, the Cleveland Browns traded Josh Dobbs to the Arizona Cardinals, right? Uh, when the Arizona Cardinals, they were not going to have Kyler Murray. And, you know, everyone's talking about them being at the very top of the draft and everything else. But they go and they get Josh Dobbs. And so now, you know, the Browns are are being beat up. I mean, it's going to be P.J. Walker. It's going to be uh, your boy there, Dorian Thompson, Robinson, whatever the hell. I mean, we talked about that. Uh, Dorian Witness Thompson, protection. Robinson. Witness protection. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I That's mean, basically and, and so, you know, do you blame them for, for getting rid of Josh Dobbs? They're being clowned for getting rid of Josh Dobbs. That's yeah. what's happening to the Cleveland Browns. And I kind of want to join in on that, but I but I also am like, hey, this, yeah, is, it's this, hard is, to. this is a backup. They got something back for him. And let's also not remember, I mean, Dobbs was good for a couple games in Arizona, and then it was like, okay, the NFL's figured you out pretty quick. Yeah, you know, it's a whole third quarterback debate. You know, would fans have ripped Chris Ballard for cutting Sam Ellinger? back in late August? Probably not. No. And so... I, they w- I, we would have cared. Yeah. For I, the most part. It would have been like a notable thing to mention because it is a quarterback. It's Ellinger. He started a game, but no one would have just... That, that would not have been talk radio for a week. I think hindsight can be really 2020 on it. It is probably why I think in this day and age, particularly when you have a quarterback like Watson, who, yeah, I mean, he can, you know... When Watson is healthy, or when he was in Houston, he can make plenty of plays from the pocket, but he certainly can extend, and there's a risk of injury there with him, uh, more so than other quarterbacks. It's probably smart just at all costs to keep the third quarterback and not worry about it. You know, you just kind of sacrifice like, the all right, that guy might sit and he might play as much as Daniel Tice, but you know what? That position means so much. We will happily accept that. Um, If there's any lesson from that, that's probably where I would go with it. Now, I I don't know if it's worth pointing out, but uh, Deshaun Watson, the same doctor that performed the surgery on Anthony Richardson, will be performing the surgery on Deshaun Watson uh, for Anthony Richardson and the Colts' sake. Hopefully the rehab mechanisms. <laughs> Anthony maybe doesn't follow what Deshaun has followed in his past. Yes, I would imagine that would be the case. I know by, that's fair to by, say or not. But. By the way, Watson's Yo, season... Wow! <laughs> season-ending injury. Here's how it changed the AFC North. And again, this stuff matters if the Colts can win some games starting with Tampa next weekend. The Ravens go from a 49.2% chance to a 
0.1% chance to win the North. The Browns with Deshaun going down go to 28% to 16%. The Steelers go 15.6% up to 19 and the Bengals 6.4 to 8.7. So uh, yeah, that's, that's from ESPN Analytics from whatever that means. I don't know if the, you know, the number nerds care about such things uh, or not. Alright, so Chris Ballard yesterday did about a what? A 20 minute interview or so uh, with Colts.com. Uh, some things talked about, some things not talked about. Obviously, Anthony Richardson, a big part of that. Shane Steichen, his thoughts on his head coach, a big part of that. Jonathan Taylor, the first time Ballard has spoken publicly since Jonathan Taylor got the contract and has been playing here uh, in Indy. Josh Downs, a lot that they talked about. Uh, let's start here, clip four. Uh, this is Chris Ballard uh, on the season and really more the final seven games here. What the Colts have left in front of them. Look, I've always thought that the season really starts at Thanksgiving. <laughs> Look, you don't want to play yourself out of it. That's for sure. But the season starts. This last seven-game stretch, you know, usually determines, you know, who's going to get in. You know, you always see it each and every year. Somebody go from the back of the pack and, you know, get playing good football. But the one thing I think we got to stay focused on is is – Tampa, you know that's it. Um, there's no looking forward. There's no like we're we're not there to where we can just you know roll the ball out and, and say we're going to get a victory. So we got to worry about Tampa. Um, it's it's we put ourselves in position to 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 do some really good things, but you know none of it means anything if we don't get the next win. And so I, I think he's right. I mean, they have put themselves in position where they can be playing games here in mid to late. Uh, November and into December but you know they do need to beat Tampa Bay if they don't they go under 500 and obviously what a road game at Tennessee and we can talk about the rest of their schedule you know the question I have for you and then I want to dive into some of this Anthony Richardson conversation as well KB the question I have for you and we've talked about this and I think we've talked about it with a couple different teams and I don't know how Colts fans feel about this going forward most because we didn't think they were going to win five. You know, there are a lot of people that didn't think they were going to win five games the entire season. I was one that picked them to win only five games. So if they ended up now with five games only, you know, at the end of the season, that would be a huge disappointment. We look here at the back end of November and December and say, wow, the Colts really fell apart. Wow, people really figured out, uh, you know, Gardner Minshew and Shane Steichen. And wow, what happened to the defense and everything else? The question I I have for you, you know, the Giants fit into this mold last year. I mean, there's always teams. I don't really think the Bengals fit into this mold. They've had injuries, perhaps, you know, if they finish this season poorly and then next season, but they're like there are a lot. Maybe the Browns fit this mold. Uh, you know, their their defense is going to be respected. That there are teams that are going to make it, and even if they fail, like a team like the Bengals, I don't think will say, well, this was all a fluke, right? They'll look and say, we have a quarterback, we have a coach. We have weapons. Uh, we had bad luck this season. Uh, we didn't play well. Burrow was injured at the beginning of the first month of the season. We kind of got behind the eight ball. If the Colts win seven or eight games this year, it is going to be very easy for me, for fans, for you, for Mark Dykton uh, to say, well, I mean, listen, you, you won eight games and I mean, you, you you didn't have Anthony Richardson all year. You won eight games, and you didn't have Grover Stewart for six games. You won eight games, and you had injury at the corner position, or you were extremely young here. You had a first-year head coach, 
and you can start to build the mantra in the offseason that, 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 you know, the coach will know more. He'll be a second-year coach, and you'll bring in more talent, and you'll love the draft class. We talked with Dane Brugler yesterday about some of the guys that could be taken in April by the Colts, and, 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 I, and I just wonder... If they win like eight games, and maybe seven fits this mold, do you think the converse, which conversation is more real, KB? Is it that, the, the, yes, they are a young team that is a year away, a young team that is on the precipice, if you will, of doing something in this league, of the Colts getting back to where they were, or getting closer, obviously, to where they were with Manning in some of those years with Andrew Luck, or will it be a false sense of security for this football team? Much like, and I used the Giants last year, the Giants had a false sense of security that they had a good team. And they went out and they signed guys, including their quarterback, and it did not work out. And they didn't have a good team, and they didn't have a good roster, and they won 50-50 games, and they had an easy schedule and all these different things. And I'm trying to figure that out because in the next seven games is going to matter on how we talk about this team next year. If they stink it up the next seven games, we're going to feel like they had an okay front part of the season, but they're not close, right? I, I think that's fair. We'll say, well, you know, uh, it's, it's still going to take some time. But if they finish with like eight wins and they're playing games that matter here down the stretch and maybe they win even more, uh, there's going to be, a, you know, you could look at it and say, wow, you know, th- this team has a lot. This team is going to be on the precipice of doing something. And that's what the next seven games, I think, are going to tell us for the offseason. How do you think you feel about about that right now. Yeah, I don't know if I'm as concrete, to be honest with you, um, as you are in terms of viewing the final seven, eight games. I, I just, I think there is still such an, I just think there's still such an unknown of watching Anthony Richardson play quarterback for 17 games, good and bad. Um, obviously, does he play 17 games? And like, I guess I'm going back to the Richardson conversation, which we really haven't had for over a month now. I mean, Andy, he played two quarters on the road all season. Two, and not even two. What was it? I mean, left early in the Houston game. Uh, I guess he didn't even complete a full half. Like, can you imagine if it had gone bad for Anthony Richardson? And, like, you know, the the conversation would be like, oh, well, he just needs more time. But because it went well, it's like, oh, he's great. Mm -hmm. He's great. I mean, the the guy's a star. The guy's a stud. So I think we want such black and white answers. We want it to be locked in stone. Oh, my gosh. They just won seven games. They won eight games. You know, Richardson's going to come in and they're going to win 12 next year. And I don't know if it's that easy. Um, Well, it's not that easy. Because if you look and the early schedule is out, I mean, there's still a few games that um, have to be decided for your 2024 schedule. The schedule's much, much tougher. I mean, next year you have home games against Miami, against Buffalo, against Detroit. All three of those would probably qualify as your toughest home game. Obviously, Jacksonville would be on it. They, those all would fall probably as your toughest home game this season based off how you know easy and, and manageable your schedule has been and will continue to be the rest of the year. So, um, again, I probably get a little bit away from overall team success and point more towards individuals. Like the fact that Bernard Ryman has, in my opinion, had a really solid second season – that to me is a very encouraging sign for next year. Does Quiddy Pay have a flurry to end the year? Does he change a little bit of the first half? So far, I don't think I feel very confident about him moving forward as a double digit sat guy, pencil him in for that. If that changes, 
then I probably look at 2024 differently. If it continues to go down this path, I still am pumping the brakes a little bit on, you know, whatever, defining this team as definite, you know, uh, playoff contender, however you want to describe it. So, again, I'm probably a little bit more on the individual basis down the stretch surrounded by the team's success. And, and, and I get it. You are 5-5 five and five in the standings, and obviously – um, you know, a lot of people want to see this team make that playoff push and et cetera, et cetera. And sure, that factors into it. But again, I'm a little bit more of what do the building blocks look like around Richardson and how does that impact uh, the future of this but team moving forward? I guess my point is, you know how this could be spun, though. You know, if, if this team wins eight games when they win a lot of people, and we've had Bob Kravitz on here thinking they were going to win three games, and that wasn't a hot take. I mean, I kind of felt like I might have been a homer picking them to win five or six games this season that everybody, and you know this, in the offseason, you, you, you always think your team's going to get better. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah. so you think, wow. I mean, The Colts we, will be the popular it, pick it, next year we, to, yeah, you know, to, make to the take big a, jump. To take yeah. some sort of a step. Well, you know, if we did this, this, and that with 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 Gardner Minshew, I mean, we can bring in, we can bring in uh, Anthony Richardson and we're going to be able to do this. Shane Steichen's going to be better. Jonathan Taylor won't be injured. He won't miss four games. He'll be there the entire season. We'll have a draft class. We'll get a free agent wide receiver. You know how fans go that it's not like it's not like, hey, we're going to win nine games one year. I mean, I fell into this. I fell into the safe into 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 my team could win nine games. That means they're going to take that nine game. That is now the floor. You know, if the Colts win seven or eight, it's like, well, I mean, next year the the floor has to be seven or eight games because they did that with Gardner Minshew and the offensive line being injured and defensive backs being young and injured like that. I, I just that that's why that the next seven games matter for this season. But it's going to, I guess, my point. It's going to be interesting to watch what the next seven games do for the narratives and how that jump starts next year's conversation around the team. I think the most encouraging signs are at head coaching quarter. More so than what that record will look like at the end of the year. It's I the agree fact that what Richardson showed you on the field, small sample size, it, it was encouraging. Again, there's a lot of layers to the Richardson story that we'll obviously talk about for the next ten months or so. And then Shane Steichen uh, certainly looks more than competent to be able to handle this. And I just think, and Ballard said it yesterday with some of the Steichen clips. I mean, there is just a level of. And I think any new coach would have brought this, but I do think Shane Sykin, how he's wired, is very authentic. There's a demanding element to him. Uh, I think players appreciate that. Um, I think he handles his accountability as himself and locker room-wise in a manner that I think was needed as well. And I just think he's real with him. And does it in a very concise manner, which I think resonates with guys as well. Uh, you want to hear that clip? We can right now. Here's Chris Ballard on his coach, Shane Steichen. Like, anytime you're doing something for the first time, you know, you're going to have some bumps. But here's what I and, – and I thought this came out really strong in the, in the interview. He's very authentic. He is who he is. You know, he's not trying to be somebody he's not. And I think players gravitate to that. Uh, They appreciate somebody that is the same person each and every day in their personality. And, And I appreciate that about him. Look, he's very demanding. Um, he wants what he wants, and he's going to tell you. And that, yeah, look, that makes my job and our my staff's job a lot easier when you know, hey, look, I need this to make this go. Um, and he's real with them each and every day, and he's real with himself. Like he doesn't just sit there and blame people when things go wrong. No, he takes accountability when it's his fault, and he'll hold the players accountable when it's their fault. So basically, that's what you said. 
<laughs> he likes Shane Steichen. You want to hear some of this Anthony Richardson? That's what we were planning on getting to. Chris Ballard uh, on Anthony Richardson. I, I mean, I thought there were a couple interesting uh, items as obviously Richardson goes under the knife, you know, a couple weeks ago, uh, back with the team, rehabbing and going through all of that. Uh, this was at the very beginning, Chris Ballard talking about AR. You know, I walked in on the back end of, you know, when Andrew was had his surgery, you know, so I, I saw what Andrew went through. Um, I saw that, you know, it, it, the long rehab process and what he did before I got here. Um, and then after getting multiple opinions on the shoulder, kind of my history of knowing um, how important your throwing shoulder is you know, on any rotational athlete, any throwing athlete, um, the shoulder has to be right. And I think at the end of the day, it's a hard decision, but the best decision for the player was to get it fixed now. Uh, so that was on the injury. I don't think there's anything surprising there. Getting it fixed, uh, getting it fixed now. Chris Ballard continued the maturity of Anthony Richardson. Anthony's a really neat young man, and you know, it's not. I think he saw it with his play. I mean, there's no, there's never a, a, a moment of panic, you know, with him. Um, he's disappointed. Of course he was, you know. I mean, he wanted to continue to play. He actually sent a, a great message to the team right before surgery, um, sent a voice mail to Shane, and Shane, you know, played it for the team, and it was really heartfelt from the heart and how much he cared and how much it bothered him that he wasn't playing. But he he's he is far more mature, you know, for a kid, that young man that just turned 21 years old than, than I expected. Uh, people may not know this. KB did the same with uh, Mark and I. He sent a message uh, to us before you went your hair procedure last week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, it was very right. motivational for us to be able to power through that Friday show last week. Yeah. Thank you. Kumbaya thank you for, moment. Thank you for that. For the wake-up call. <laughs> Ready Ball- to run through a brick wall. Yes. <laughs> Ballard said something else about Richardson that I found I- I- interesting yesterday about you know protecting himself is the number one thing moving forward. And... That's a debate, again, I feel like we had a lot a month, a month and a half ago that we'll probably continue to have once the season ends. But to me, it's it's not as much of Richardson protecting himself as what can the Colts do to help him protect himself. Uh, again, I'll say the phrase a million times in the next 10 months. To me, you limit some of the design runs. You don't eliminate, you limit some of that. I look at all those plays and think of the four times he got injured this year, I don't think one time he took an unnecessary hit. I don't think there was one time it was a first and 10 in the middle of the second quarter, and instead of going out of bounds after a seven-yard gain, he cut it to the middle of the field, lowered his shoulder, and took on three defensive backs. I would agree. So, I mean, it was a football play, especially the one that knocked him out was just, I mean, it was a football play. I mean, it's it's what like it was. He, I mean, Harold Andrew was right there and made yeah. a tackle. It's not like he could have slid and got a, what, a two-yard gain on the play? Um, so that is something that I think is this fine line and an interesting dynamic of how the Colts view it. Do they view it in like, no, 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 Richardson's got to do his part. And honestly, it's a little bit of both. And I go back to the Rams game. You know, he had missed time due to the concussion, missed that Baltimore game in week three. He comes back to the Rams game. A lot of those, okay, you know, how would he look like playing style-wise? What's going to be different with him? And then the first play, he slides, and the crowd rejoices. (laughs) I honestly felt like when Richardson ran, it was not Josh Allen recklessness. It was pretty good decision-making. Um, you know, people can bring up the touchdown run in Houston. Again, to me, that was kind of a freak thing there where uh, I honestly don't think he saw the defensive back until the very end of the play. At that point, I, you know, he's going to slide at the goal line there. So I view it more in the, 
the Colts need to do their part. I don't think Richardson is a reckless decision maker as a runner. I think the Colts need to look at it and say, all right, yes, we could run him into the ground and you might see that instant gratification in one game, but do you see a 17-game reason for that? And that, I think, is a dilemma that the Colts need to do their part with. Uh, you, you know I think that Steichen ain't changing. That, that's, I know. That's how and, I, that's and, how and I do things. comment yesterday uh, got I, me thinking a little bit more uh, of, yeah, he might nod his head at Shane believing that as well. Uh, last one before the top of the hour. Chris Ballard, the future here with Anthony Richardson. Until you're around somebody, I mean, no matter how brilliant people are in this league, you know, the the more you see, and when you get to see him play, then it it really a light goes off. Okay, this is what we need to do to get this guy going. You you anticipate and you project, but until you are with him and live with him and watch him play daily, um, understanding what a what a player can and can't do, especially at the quarterback position, and how you got to build around it. Um, I think we got a pretty good handle on him, what he can do, um, and what we need to do to build around him. And that's interesting just because now that's what the next few months will be, KB. How do they build around their franchise quarterback? And honestly, I would say probably one of the more encouraging elements of what you saw from Richardson in the small sample size was that poise. You know, was the fact that it didn't look deer in headlights. You watch Bryce Young and you're like, oh man, that looks a little deer in headlights. You watch Richardson and I can't think of really any place where it looked like that. All right, uh, on the other side, we'll have Mike DeCourcy. We'll do a little college basketball chatter coming up in the 8 o'clock hour. Again, Thad Bada joining us here at 8.30. It's a gorgeous Thursday morning. Thank you for spending it with us. Wake up call KB and Andy on 93.5, 107.5, The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Yeah, hanging out with you, drivehubler.com studios, wake up call, KB and Andy. Thanks for waking up with us. We're all a little groggy today uh, out at Adam Sandler late last night. Always a good time. Appreciate the Pacers having us out for that. Pacers next in action on Sunday. Our coverage here on the fan beginning at 4.30. All right, so I'm excited. Back when I was doing radio in Louisville every week, got to talk with Mike DeCourcy from the Sporting News and the Big Ten Network and happy to do so here uh, in Indy this morning. Mike, good morning. It's great to hear your voice. How are you, my friend? I am well, Andy. How are you? Uh, it's been a busy few. I have a kid now, Mike. I'm a father. Oh, 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 wow. <laughs> I'm a father. That is, the, that is the most frightening thing I think I've heard in 2023. It should be. You You're damn dad. right it is. Uh, well, it's good It's it's good to hear your voice. Uh, we won't be yelling and screaming about John Calipari. We'll, uh, we'll talk more Indiana and Purdue, obviously. I just wanted to get your thoughts. I know you wrote about it. You were there uh, covering the Champions, uh, the Champions Classic. Uh, maybe not the best Champions Classic we've had, but uh, Kansas, no doubt. Hunter Dickinson was great. Duke had that loss to Arizona. They bounced back. Michigan State now 1-2. and two. Kentucky has some front court issues. Uh, what have you made of the early college basketball season? What did you make of that Champions Classic on Monday night? Well, I, I, what, what struck me in watching on 
Wednesday night, Tuesday night. Tuesday night, excuse me, Tuesday. Tuesday night, yeah. What struck me was that this is one, three, and five, I think, something like that in the preseason polls. I think I think it's going to be a very wide open year because these are not extraordinary teams. These this is not 2015 with uh, with the undefeated Kentucky team and the Jaleel Okafor, Justice Winslow, Tyus Jones, Duke team and the Wisconsin team with uh, with so many tremendous players that they had and 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 won the the Big Ten as comfortably as they did with Frank Kaminsky and Sam Decker and it's just not like that. Uh, this this. Kansas team has two two extraordinary players uh, in Hunter Dickinson and Dewan Harris, and then a really really high end wing in Kevin McCullough, and then they're like trying to figure out who else can go with these guys, uh, who can fit, who can match, who can who can work in, who can be confident enough on the floor. Uh, Duke uh, really struggling with some of their talented players, Tyrese Proctor. Uh, just not playing at the level that we would expect a player who is a projected first-round lottery pick to be playing. And then they brought in a freshman named McLean who did not score on mm. Tuesday night, uh, who was supposed to be really high in. So it, 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 well, I walked away thinking Kentucky was the one team, although they're missing their two centers, I, I the, their third center, Big Z, I'm not counting until somebody says he can play. But the other two can play. They just aren't uh, healthy enough to play. Uh, until they get those guys out there, we won't know what they are. But I saw real talent out there. Not, not, you know, not extraordinarily happy with every single player, but the, one, the ones who played well, there's real ability there. Uh, but they obviously are younger than most. So it's just going to be a year, I think, when a lot of people uh, can look at it and say, yeah, we can win this thing. Uh, we've got a shot at this. There's nobody we can't reach. Mike DeCourcy, diehard Steelers fan as well. Always feel like that's worth mentioning when we bring him on. <laughs> will Mike be in attendance in a few weeks? Mike, will you go to the game in Lucas Oil? I am hopeful. I okay. am hopeful. But uh, Picture, uh, Picturing I, I, him throwing his terrible it. towel at other Colts fans <laughs> in the building there at Lucas can Oil Stadium. This, can I say this on your show because of the audience? I will say that I have been to uh, – Cleveland, Cincinnati, some other places. There is no place, and I and I. It's interesting because I heard this uh, from people who uh, uh, attend. I think when when I think Indy went to Charlotte, maybe or Jacksonville. Um, the, the Colts fans are the best, like in terms of being like actual people, um, and not you know and not you know treating you like a human, uh, <laughs> even though you're in, in another team's gear. Um, they they are the nicest people. Uh, I, and I heard, like I said, I heard this. That, uh, I think it was maybe when they were down in Jacksonville or something. Uh, somebody uh, that I knew was sitting next to a bunch of Colts people and uh, and and said they were the nicest people. I, I really feel it's important to say that because uh, it's not the way it is in every NFL stadium. Uh, the way it is at Lucas Oil, and they cheer for their team as hard as anybody, but. It, it, at the end of the day, it's a game, and, and Indy deserves a lot of credit for that. Do we? Is that a reason why they've only won one of their last ten home games? Are they? Are they? Are they too? Are they too? I know, Mike. That was kind of a tough spin on it, but um, more fights in the crowd. That in the Peyton days, it's, it's, you know, I think it has more to do with that. Yeah, we yeah we need more security breaking up fights during games here at Lucas Oil. Um, now, I, I want to shift gears here locally, and let's start with the Purdue Boilermakers. Obviously, a big week upcoming for them. And such a loaded field out 
in Hawaii. Lance Jones is the new guy, so maybe just based off he's really the only new guy outside of Miles Colvin, it's just intriguing in that. Like, okay, you know, is that the personnel boost that is needed? I do feel like I watch him, and I think he gives Purdue a little bit more than what Ethan Morton, uh, I would say a lot more, honestly, than what Ethan Morton provided them in the starting lineup last year. Um, Is that something that is intriguing to you? And like, okay, here's a guy that can do a couple of different things, can even handle the ball a little bit, get Braden Smith off the ball. Could that be maybe more of a boost than on paper it looked like in the offseason as, you know, a Southern Illinois transfer who, you know, wasn't like this Missouri Valley, you know, player of the year? Well, I think he helps them. Uh, he gives them some toughness. He can he can create a little bit. I, if, he, if he shot 40%, he would be a lot of what they need. Uh, he definitely makes them better. I, I, I liked what I saw. But I, I, I believe that if, if, if the final hurdle is – We've got to win the you know the, the games we're supposed to. I think he certainly helps you there. Uh, if the final hurdle is we want to win the biggest games, I think Roosevelt Colvin's Colvin's uh, uh, his uh, his assimilation into the lineup at the highest possible level is going to be a huge difference maker because he's the one guy that they can put in there and say you know this guy's he's got a shot he's got he. He's got a real shot at the league. He goes out there and busts three threes in a row the other night, shot them like he's, you know, like he's uh, uh, Clay Thompson or something. I mean, he just no, no hesitation, uh, no, you know, no lack of confidence, uh, great form, great precision, and he's a high-end athlete. Uh, he's, he's the guy that they haven't had very often at Purdue, uh, and I think he was underrated coming out of high school. Uh, I, I, I don't think that you can shoot the one of the things that I complain about now with the way high school players are are scouted is that I think that uh, it, that shooting is still underrated. Uh, it, that to me, that's right now with the way the game is gone. It, you could be a tremendous athlete, but if you can't shoot, that that's got to be you know that's got to be considered. Uh, and if you could be a uh, a A minus athlete, but if you can shoot, then you're better than they're trying to say you are. Uh, and if you're Grady Dick and you've got all that, how are you the 14th player in the country? I mean, you're you're the fifth or third or something. Shooting is so important, and so for a guy like Roosevelt Colvin who has high end athleticism and he's a terrific shooter, that's a guy that that should have been higher in the rankings. And the sooner he is playing significant minutes, not just uh, big minutes like in terms of time of game, but like volume of minutes, the more that they can get him out there. And I know it's hard because you've got a lot of veteran guys and, and, you, and you're very deep at his position. But I think the more he plays, the, the higher Purdue ceiling goes. Mike DeCourcy with us here. Payless Liquors Hotline. He's from the Sporting News Big Ten Network. Uh, college basketball insider here on the fan on this Thursday. Uh, KB, I'm taking your question on Purdue, okay? So I know Mike DeCourcy, and I know one thing that burns Mike DeCourcy is people that want to see the ball advanced in college basketball like the NBA does, okay? So I know that burns him. I'm not going to ask him about that. The other thing that I know that burns Mike DeCourcy is when fans don't enjoy 
the ride. And that has been part of the conversation. I agree with Mike on that. Uh, yeah, and this has been part of the conversation around Purdue basketball is enjoying the ride, knowing that so Life's very— too short not to enjoy uh, Yes, it's so very much, Mike, it's going to come down to what they do in the NCAA tournament. So what would you say to those fans? And I really think it begins this weekend uh, as Purdue gets Gonzaga and then immediately could get Tennessee as well. Well, I, I think that the the important thing to understand is that if like if, if all you care about is whether they advance in March, then you shouldn't watch TV until March. I mean, and I think that <laughs> I think you're missing what being a fan is about. Every game matters, and obviously you're going to play games on the schedule to buy games that you're going to win comfortably. But what what is happening in those games? How hard is your team playing? How 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 much are they growing? How much is Roosevelt Colvin uh, getting minutes and helping you to do those things? And what could he be? It, that's what being a fan is about. What the possibility? If it's you know, as a Steelers fan, uh, as a confessed Steelers fan, I, I deal with this all the time. People are like, "Well, there were, it's not." You know, the Steelers have won six Super Bowls since you know since I was a teenager. That's more. That's more than all but one other team, and it's and and no one has more than them. But that, that okay. So starting like in '72 when they first made the playoffs, they've won six Super Bowls. So it's 50, 50, basically fifty years. Am I supposed to be miserable eighty-five percent of the time because they didn't win the other forty-four Super Bowls? That's just an absurd way of looking at being a sports fan. There really are a lot of other entertainments out there um, that are constantly fulfilling. If that's the way you look at it, like watch. Netflix and, and and Hulu and all that, or go to the Broadway shows. I love Broadway. Do that. Uh, listen to music. Uh, there's so many different wonderful genres of music that can fulfill you. I've been to the Jazz Kitchen. I went there three times this summer. What a great <laughs> venue. Do that. Because if you're not enjoying watching your team develop, then it's really not worth being a sports fan. Uh, it, if, you, if the only thing that makes you happy as a sports fan is success or ultimate success, in March, and I'll, I, let me say this: I know I'm not talking to a big segment of Purdue fans because I was at Mackey on Monday. Yeah, night. I would agree and with that. There, are, there are not many places. Like, there's no place where the fans are more fun. There, and, and, and I've been to all of the best places uh, in college basketball. There's no place where the fans are more fun. I like Allen Fieldhouse better as a building, the history, and, and the, the way it's constructed, and everything. And they do a great job with their fan base. Um, but there's no fan base and environment I enjoy more than Mackey. Uh, he is Mike DeCourt. By the way, I went to Jazz Fest earlier this year. It was a great time, so I, I, I could not agree more. We had uh, Rosie Bowen is loving the music uh, outside of the Jazz Kitchen back uh, in the summer. Mike DeCourcy's with this year against Sporting News. Obviously, big-time cover of college basketball. Let's shift gears down to Bloomington. It's not often you see Indiana as a single-digit favorite at home against a non-Power 5, non-conference team, but that is where they're at right now with Wright State tonight. 7 o'clock tip. Uh, where is the panic meter for you after their performances against Florida Gulf Coast and Army? Well, I, no, there's no panic at all for me, uh, the way I look at it. Uh, would I like to see them do a better job of utilizing the three-point line or, or a, a busier job of utilizing the three-point line? Yes. That's really my only concern with that team. Can they do point. that, given their personnel? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I watched Trey Galloway uh, in the first 10 minutes, sometime in the first 10 minutes of the first game, uh, bust a three-pointer out of a uh, out of a little curl move, and, and I'm like, yes, do more of that. 
you can do this. I mean, I'm not saying that the trade's going to be a 40% three-point shooter, but that, that threat needs to be there for everything else to work. I mean, you're, you've got a tremendous front line. And Khalil Ware, see, one of the reasons why I'm not panicked is because my single biggest concern about Indiana coming into the year was how would Khalil Ware be? Because I watched him play against UCLA last year, and, I mean, they were pushing him around like, uh, you know, like it was me. Uh, it, it, he, he, he really struggled in that kind of game. And to this point, I know they haven't played high-end, high-major competition, but he's playing with great confidence, uh, great comfort. He looks like a, a big-time college basketball player. So that's the first hurdle. Uh, and then you've got uh, Malik Renouf playing very well at this point. Uh, could could hit the boards a little harder, but uh, uh, the the everything is going from from a personnel standpoint the way you want it to, with, with the exception of Mbako. And I, I said this earlier this week: the the wing position is the hardest transition for. And I'm talking. I'm not talking about like guys who are six four who who are played as a third guard. I'm talking about a true small forward who's six seven, six eight, six nine. That's a hard transition because a lot of what you've done through your career is use that size as an advantage over smaller defenders. And it's much more difficult to do that at the Division One level than it is at any uh, AAU or even the highest uh, prep school leagues. Uh, it's just it's a totally different deal. So Mbako is going to have to make that adjustment, and it's going to take time. And the more frustration there is, the longer it takes, the more understanding that that's the, that's the journey, the better it'll go. Uh, so I, that's the only player personnel concern. And that the one, the one issue is that three point activity. And remember they didn't use it enough last year either. And they had Miller cop shooting 46%. Mm-hmm. So it, it's the one element of the way they play that, that gives concern. And it, and it, it that concern is amplified because you don't have, anyone who's a proven uh, off-the-ball deep shooter. Mike DeCourcy, Sporting News, Big Ten Network on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Uh, Mike, uh, I mean, listen, I need to ask you, I know you wrote about it through the eyes uh, of Dame Fife, but, uh, you know, just you know, while we have you on, Bobby Knight passing away a couple weeks ago. So many former players came on the stations here, uh, you know, people that covered him over the years. We had Roy Williams on uh, a couple days after Roy, just giving stories for about 30 minutes on the air was fantastic. Uh, you know, his life and then his passing we know how confusing and how uh, polarizing I think is the better word Bobby Knight was what stood out to you he passed away and then all the stories that kind of came out uh, give us a story give us something as Bobby Knight passed away a couple weeks ago I know you followed him for a number of years well you know I, it, it, I, I grew up in the game obviously and, and well aware of what he was and 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 who he was and how he mattered. And, you know, to me, the, the, you know, the, the story that I, I like to tell that's because I, I, I didn't really get into um, covering college basketball nationally until he was very close to the end of his IU time. I mean, I started at Sporting News in 95 and, and I, you know, I attended the press conference in Indy uh, on that day in September uh, it, it, I, I attended the one in May when, when the double uh, secret probation thing was put on, the zero tolerance policy. I was there for that. I came up uh, uh, as well when he was let go. Uh, so I, I, that's too much of what I remember about 
covering him. But one of the things that I like to tell about, and I, I think IU fans will appreciate this, because when, when they build Assembly Hall, I mean, Assembly Hall isn't like any other building it's, it, it, in terms of the way it's constructed. And so when they built it, I don't know what the thought was, but it's like they forgot, oh, what, yeah, these games are going to be on TV. Where do we put the camera? <laughs> so the camera position in, in Assembly Hall before, not now, but back in the day, was so low that you could barely see anything but the ball going in. I mean, it, it, was, it, it, it made a basketball look absurd, and I could never understand anything that was going on except, oh, okay, the ball went in. And so I didn't understand anything really about how IU basketball really worked and why it worked so well. And then a buddy of mine uh, won the ticket lottery in 1987, and so we're going to Final Four, and, and it happens that IU is there along with UNLV and Providence and Syracuse. So we're sitting in the upper end zone uh, at one end of the floor, and and I, I remember this was back before we had big screens, guys. I mean, they had a screen, but it was like watching it on Atari game. <laughs> uh, and so, like, I was, you know, I was excited about going, but I'm like, am I going to be able to actually see the game? Because I want to see the game. And pretty quickly, your eyes adjust to whether or not the ball goes in. And... But what? But being up there, I was able to see how it all worked, and see the genius of Knight. Now I now I got it. You could you could see it all play out in front of you. And okay, this you know this is where they're going to set the screen for Steve Alford, and so that he can get the shot. And it was really a beautiful thing, and it was, and it taught me so much about basketball generally because I was watching the absolute master, and now I could actually see how it all fit together. And it, it, you know, and I, Keith Smart hit the shot at the opposite end. So that's the end of the floor I was at. I was at the end where where uh, Derek Coleman missed the free throws, uh, and then Steve was uh, uh, Keith, excuse me, uh, made the shot at the opposite end. But it was really a cool experience to do that. So even though that wasn't really a close up experience with Bob, uh, it's one that really meant a lot to me as someone who loves the game and and who was about to be launched. That was that was the year before I started covering college basketball. I was still covering high schools then. And so I've, I've, every year since then, I have been covering college basketball and getting the chance to see the master at work uh, in that way really meant a lot to me. And he is Mike DeCourcy. Uh, you can find his work. Variety of places, Sporting News, uh, covering college basketball, and he will be certainly attuned come Sunday at 1 o'clock. Uh, maybe flipping back and forth between Indiana and UConn, but also his Steelers as they take on the Browns here in Week 11. Uh, Mike, thanks for the time as always. Great stuff, and uh, we'll hopefully keep the conversation going throughout the college basketball season. Anytime, guys. Appreciate Mike DeCourcy joining whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Yes, you miss any of his conversation or the conversation with our next guest, Thad Mata, you can check it out. Uh, 1075thefan.com, wherever you get your podcast, check us out. Uh, it is the Wake Up Call hanging out with you on this Thursday. We'll keep the hoops conversation going. We'll go back on out to the Payless Liquors Hotline. Thad Mata joins us here on the program. Coach, good morning. How are you today, sir? 
I'm doing fine. How are you guys doing? Oh, we're doing fantastic. Uh, so much, uh, so happy for you to join us uh, on this Thursday. Well, uh, 3-0 and on the early season. Obviously, the competition picks up here in the next couple weeks. Michigan State coming up on Friday, and then Florida Atlantic, and then Texas Tech. Uh, give us, a, I guess, a grade. How do you, what have you seen from your team early on this season? And then the next three games, especially the level of competition, really going to be picking up for you guys well there's no question about that and, and i'll say this I, I like where our team is right now i think that uh you know we've done a very good job of of doing what we're supposed to do in the first three games and you know i, I think the the great thing after each game we've played thus far I've, I've told the guys hey we still have a lot of room for improvement and you know there's just there's areas we got to continue to grow both offensively and defensively but it is still you know relatively early in the season um you know, obviously going to East Lansing here tomorrow night is going to be a great test for us. I think it'll give us a, a really good gauge of, of where we are. And then, you know, you follow that up with Florida Atlantic and, um, you know, you have five high majors coming down the pipe here and then with Texas Tech. So, you know, we come out of that and, and, and you know, I, I, the one thing I like about this group is I know they're going to fight. I know they're going to compete and, and uh, you know, their attention to detail has been very good thus far in terms of preparation. And, and it has to be for us because our margin of error is so small. How uh, how difficult, Coach, do you think those practices have been with Tom Izzo given that his team one and two uh, are on the early season? How do you think those are going? Yeah, well, you know, it's it's funny. I, I Well, I don't know. Um, you know, obviously, Pierre Brooks played for us or plays for us and he was up there and um, Reese Joseph was uh, played a couple years up there. Um, so they said things could be a little bit rough. But you know, I, I saw an interview with him after the Duke game the other night, and he said, hey, we're, we're not playing bad. We just got to make shots. And, um, you know, defensively, they're, they're as sound as they always are. You know, they're going to race the ball in transition, and, and they're, they're unbelievable in scoring in the first six seconds of the shot clock. Um, you know, we got we to gotta get back, get them stopped, and, and uh, you know, make them run their half-court offense and uh, – um, you know, hope that they, the the shooting woes continue a little bit, but we know we're going to have to have something to do with that. He is Thad Mata again. A trip to East Lansing tomorrow night. The three and and0 Butler Bulldogs on the year. Coach, all three by at least thirty points so far. You guys did have some blowout wins early last season. Does this start feel different to you? And if so, why or why not? Well, it's completely different. Um, I don't know. Just the, the the vibes a lot better this year. Just in terms of, of um, you know, and, and and I also think this. You know, last year I think we were playing with seven guys at this point, and um, you know, right now we're running ten deep, and and uh, you know, we're able to get the young guys uh, a lot of minutes right now. That you know, hopefully is going to pay off for us down the road. Um, but no, just a, a, a little bit different. I, I think our defense is, is more sound than it was. We're, we're a little bit tougher than we were uh, at this stage last year. Did I hear correctly from a little birdie that you might have gone Van Morrison with one of your players? <laughs> <laughs> I did, yes. Yeah. Days like this. You know, Atlanta, I think, was two for four from the line, or two for, yeah, two for four, I think it was. I told him, he's a great free throw shooter. And they said, hey, mama said there'd be days like this. And uh, Did you play the song? <laughs> It's no, great... he, he, he doesn't know Van Morrison. I was about to, I was about to say, that yeah, was going right to be my follow-up. There. It's a great yeah. song. I was just curious if you sat him down in the office and say, all right, Landon, uh, you haven't shot it great. Let's uh, let's listen to the song and make sure we start seeing the net differently. 
<laughs> no, well, the next game he hit four for seven from three, so that was a good thing. <laughs> That's great. Ben uh, Mata with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. You mentioned uh, Pierre Brooks, a good start to his season, a nice write-up in the Indy Star about him. How do you keep him level, uh, specifically him, uh, level going against his former team on Friday? You know what? I, I don't know. Um, I, I think Pierre is, is, has a great maturity about him. He's got a great focus. Um, you know, the, the the funny thing is, you're going to see this, I think, more and more in college basketball of, you know, kind of the cross match of guys playing against their old schools. I mean, uh, one of our former players last year was on, he didn't make the trip, but he was on East Tennessee State's team. Uh, we got Pierre, you know, Pasha will be playing against St. John's in January. Um, no, it's, it's, it's amazing now how I, I think common this is going to become throughout college basketball with all the transferring. He is Thad Mata. He's with us here on the Payless Lickers Hotline. Again, Butler 3-0 on the year. Gavit Games coming up tomorrow night. Uh, that is a trip to the Breslin Center to take on Tom Izzo. You know, obviously, if you made a list, Coach, of you know people you've coached against the most in your career, certainly Tom Izzo would be near the top of that list. What has made Tom Izzo one of the most successful college basketball coaches, regardless of era? You know, I, I think this, um, you know, Tom is just he's, he's he's a coach's coach and and um you know just you talk about a guy who has stood the test of time and and uh you know every year I don't know what it is 20 some years they've been in the NCAA tournament and um you know I, I know you know you look at a guy that has spent his entire career at, at one place um that's hard to do in today's day and age and and you know the, the time I've spent with him off the court I mean he's just he's a guy that cares about the welfare of the game of college basketball and uh, I've, I've learned a lot from him I really have again it'll be Butler Michigan State tomorrow night we saw the news I guess I don't know a little over a week ago now coach of uh, Barry Collier stepping down as athletic director at Butler certainly an AD head coach relationship for you two extends I would guess a little bit deeper than, than that for those that maybe aren't familiar with it could you explain your guys relationship a little bit and, and how it all started back you know I guess probably in the late 90s our early late eighties, because uh, you know I was on Coach Collier's first team when he came from Stanford uh, and took the head coaching job at Butler. And um, and what year was that? Uh, Nineteen eighty nine. Wow, gosh. Yeah, just a couple years ago. And um, <laughs> I, uh, uh, you know, then went back and, and worked for him. And and uh, when he left to go to Nebraska, uh, he got me. He got me the job at Butler. And, um, you know, sort of say I'm forever grateful for him. And, you know, I, I, you know it's it's amazing because I, I think back, and you guys are probably too young, but like, he used to walk into Hinkle Fieldhouse and you could see all the way through the Fieldhouse from one end to the other because uh, it was all bleachers and, uh, you know, it said 14,000 at the time, I think. And, you know, like where our offices are now, there it was a, a long jump pit, a pole vault pit underneath the bleachers. And, you know, we dressed downstairs in the locker rooms. And, and he's the man that changed everything. Uh, in, in Hinkle Fieldhouse, I mean all the all the changes that have been made over the years, and you know just updating and and you know the, the change the school colors for goodness sakes it used to be this soft blue, and um, you know he had a vision when he came, and and couldn't be happy for him going you know finally retiring and and uh, going to go on and be a grandfather to all his grandchildren. 
Thad Mata with us here. Wake up call, hanging out with you until 10 o'clock. Thad's on the uh, Payless Liquors Hotline. Uh, Coach, looking just at the Big East, I I mean, it's a beast again. We talked about this a couple weeks before the season, and you've seen it already. A bunch of teams still uh, undefeated. You know, Villanova's going to be good. They're 2-1. and Patino and company had a loss, but, you know, they're going to be a solid team as well. I don't know how much you get to see of other teams. I guess your thoughts here in the first couple weeks of the Big East and what kind of conference you think it's going to be here this season? Well, you know, it's funny because I think what we talked about earlier with these next five games we got, it, it's it's a prelude to the uh, to what we're going to face in you know starting in December and January, February, March. Um, you know, this league is is for real. I think you know you've got probably three teams uh, that could could win the national championship, and um, you know I think that's the, the the biggest thing for us is you know we got to win every day that, that we take the court just in terms of us getting better um, because I know you know you just you, you look at our schedule. Um, you know, once we get into the Big East, and it's just one after another, and uh, it's going to be it's going to be a great challenge. There's no question about that. And and you know, like you guys said, there's there's great teams, there's great players, and there's great coaches that we're going to face. All right, last one, coach, for you guys to go on the road tomorrow night and come home with a victory. What what would you label as maybe the biggest key? Well, I, I think the two things we we've got to well three. Four or five. Six, seven, <laughs> um, no, I think this. We, we've got to we've got to slow down their transition game, and uh, we've got to rebound the basketball, and then we got to we got to make some shots. We, we we've got to score the ball, and and uh, you know there's the sound defensively as, as we've gone against thus far, and and uh, we're gonna have to execute at a very very high level. Maybe a little Van Morrison playing on the way home. You think after that after yeah. that victory could be there? That, that would trust me. My playlist will be going. I'll educate the guys on uh, <laughs> what real music's all about. What, what is the, what I'm is sure on, that's exactly what your players well, want to hear. I was going to say, what's on that playlist? I hate to put you on the spot, but what besides Van Morrison would be on Thad Mata's playlist? Anything? What can you give us? You know, right now, right now, uh, you know, if you if you put in Van Morrison radio, it's it's an unbelievable station. <laughs> And um, you know you, you get you get all kinds of stuff of, of some like classic rock, but not not the hard stuff, um, you know. From uh, and and also I'm kind of in like Hootie and the Blowfish. Which okay, gets into like Big Head, Tom and the Monsters. I saw them in concert uh, a couple months ago, and and great unknown band. Um, but no, I just I, I rock with it, man. I, I I love my music. Well, I think Hootie and the Blowfish aren't they coming through here again yeah, yeah, next couple months? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've actually got to spend a uh, after a concert one night. I was on stage with Darius Rucker over in Columbus, Ohio, and got to hang out with him. Huge, huge college basketball fan. We have really? uh, we have Rick Carlisle on every Tuesday, Coach, and he's a huge Hootie fan as well. Bruce How about Hornsby, that? Bruce, uh, yeah, Bruce Bruce Hornsby as well. Co- and I think you, you have a relationship with him, right? Yeah, I know Bruce well. I know, I know that Rick supposedly has been on stage with him. Uh, I think does he play guitar? I, he, I think Bruce was telling me that. Yeah, and I uh, think yeah. he's got a piano background as well. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Bruce Hornsby is is the greatest dude I've ever met. Huh. Yeah. How about that? <laughs> well, little yeah. days Uh-oh. like this to Here send we go. Fad Mata off here <laughs> on this Thursday morning. Coach, thanks for the it. time. Appreciate Gr- it, Coach. Great musical selections, and good luck tomorrow night. All right, fellas, thanks.